All right, we are back. Episode 11 of Clinch Perfect. I'm Ben, joined by Tom as always. How are you doing, mate? I'm great. I can't believe we've made it to 11. That, that's a milestone in itself. 11 episodes, still not got intro music, <laughs> still not got our cover art. Every week I say, oh yeah, I'll do that. But um, by the time I finish work, I'm just like, oh fuck it, I just want to lay on the sofa and do nothing. Um, it's a gradual anyway, process. We have a new UFC heavyweight champion of the world, baddest man on the planet. Um, Francis Ngannou pretty much did exactly what we said he was going to do. Can we be smug about that? I'm just sat with a big grin on my face, <laughs> to be honest. I think, I think yeah, he was magic in the build-up. Like, I really liked his interviews where he was talking about like humble background and, I mean, his incredible story. I don't need to, to lay it on thick. I'm sure everyone's read the articles on ESPN and everything like that. But it, it, he did everything he said he was going to do. Like, he's developed massively as a fighter. You saw that in the sprawl. Um but I was more impressed with his stand-up. Like it seemed like he was very, he was way more measured in terms of his striking. He didn't want to just burn himself out or gas himself out. And even when Stipe clipped him, you could tell that he wasn't rocked at all. He was comfortable. I didn't think there was a point in that fight where Francis actually looked threatened, which is no, mad. I feel the the sprawl was my favorite moment because that was the moment where I think everyone collectively watching it. Went, oh fuck! So that, like, that, that was the big defending takedowns, and not only defending it, he reversed position and ended yeah. up on top, landing punches. I just, I enjoyed that moment because, like I said, I, me and anyone else who was watching it, what was like, oh, oh, this guy, <laughs> this guy's a problem. This guy's gonna fuck everyone <laughs> up. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I agree. It was the fact that he took the back that I was most mm-hmm. impressed with because. We, we, I mean, he's clearly worked on his takedown defense, but then to flip that, to reverse that position, it's just yeah. mental. Like the adjustments he's made in such an incremental short amount of time. I'll take my hat off to Kamara Usman, to um, Eric Nixick, everyone at Extreme Couture. Like they've clearly worked on the holes in his game. And uh, right now, he's a well rounded mixed martial artist. There's no, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, and if I'm a heavyweight on that roster, I'm thinking, oh, okay, I need to really like rethink my strategy because taking him down clearly isn't as big an option as it once was or get my weight down to 205 um anyway we'll uh <laughs> we'll, we'll kick off talking about the prelims quickly um i did want to have a moan about the uh the ref in the opener um Barriol absolutely battered abu azaito in the third round um it was a pretty competitive fight first sort of six seven minutes and then azaito just gas like crazy and i feel like this fight could have been stopped a couple of minutes into the third round and it was just like the ref fell asleep or had money on it going over 2.5 rounds. I don't know. But everyone's moaning about Herb Dean in the main event, which I'll get to later. I'll have a rant about that later because that's bullshit as well. But um, what they should be talking about is um, Jaron Valal in this fight. Like, to not stop it while... I mean, Azaito was kind of defending himself. He was trying to defend himself. I guess that would be the ref's defense. But he wasn't really. And he certainly wasn't throwing anything back or showing any signs that he was going to get back like to an attempt of winning the fight. So there was no reason to carry it on. And then after all that, to not even let him have the pride of actually getting to the decision after the beatdown he took. What the fuck was that? As you said, it was, uh, for the first two rounds, you could say, were, were relatively even, evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Third round was just a complete one-sided beatdown. Like, let's be honest. Um, there was that really weird moment where he, like, he dropped his, his gum shield or something, and then he kind of... I don't know. It was like he, it was almost like he looked like he was asleep standing up, but I don't think yeah. he was. I think he was just like looking for his his mouth. It was I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of. Um, I mean, completely different in in terms of like what actually happened in that fight. But when Max was just teeing off on Cater, that's what it, it kind of seemed to me like in the third round. Mm-hmm. As either just as you said, gassed, but also had no answers. Um, and 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 all credit to um, oh my god, what's his name? Mario. <laughs> Barrio, there we go. I can't pronounce it. Barrio. Um, <laughs> yeah, all credit to Barrio for, for stepping on the, the pedal and, and, and pushing the pace because it worked out in its favor. But yeah, the, the reffing was terrible. I, yeah, mean, I was I really think... impressed by Barrio, actually, because, um, I mean, he he looked tired as well. It wasn't like he was you know throwing crazy volume in the third round, but that was a high-paced fight for two big boys. Like That was like, you know, bantamweight pace for the first five minutes and you know like i said he did gas a little bit but mario looked in incredible shape by the end considering he'd just been through a 15 minute bar brawl yeah i don't want to call him a a, a cheat or anything but what did he pop for do you remember um honestly i i don't know don't remember but it might um, have been marijuana it might have been it might not have been anything that nefarious but yeah interesting i mean as i said i don't know well considering all the promotion that the ufc have, 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 and all the the, the well garbage they've had to put up with in terms of him and his brother yeah it's a bit embarrassing on their part isn't it 
to, well, see one of their prized assets just beaten into the ground. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a great way to open the card, don't get me wrong, but it was yeah, just it was a bit like, fight. You, you could tell it was kind of like one of those fights where Daniel's thinking, oh, okay, we're, we're going to build the star and it kind of turned on his head. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a nice change from the rest of the prelims, which some of which were quite boring. Um, Shane Young and Omar Morales, like, and it was really weird. It was like Shane Young was still worried about the knockout Ancient. loss he had in his last fight. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I feel like this fight was there for him to win. Um, and but he just Mor- didn't Morales, push the pace at all. And, and Morales could have finished it. There were certain points where I was like, oh, okay, this is like that knee yeah. that, um, that Shane Young ate. I was a bit like, wow, that's a bit, that's, that, that, that was thrown with real venom. Um, but yeah, yeah there was, was one. It was there was one partially blocked kick, um, head kick in there as well, quite similar to the one that um, Klein finished him with. That for a second I was like, "Go on, <laughs> poor guy." History repeats itself. Twice, yeah. Um, but like I said, it was partially blocked, so um, he didn't go out. But yeah, it was pretty, um, pretty disappointing fight. I was expecting kind of a banger between those two, to be honest. Um, I, I just thought Young would. I just thought Young would push the volume, but like he's known for being high pace, high volume, good I cardio. He would throw hands, yeah. And yeah, he just it just seemed hesitant through the whole fifteen minutes, even when it was, I think, quite clear that he was losing. It was kind of weird. Yeah, it's bizarre, especially with like the corner that he had, like Riddell and mm-hmm. I can't remember his name, but uh, Alex's head coach um, from uh, Freestyle MMA. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. The Australian guy, but yeah, it, like it, it just seemed that he was. More focused on surviving rather than fighting, which, which seemed a bit strange to me because he's all action, right? It just it wasn't it wasn't typical of a of a Shane Young performance, like edgy seat kind of stuff. Yeah, and we had um, Oleg Sechuk against Modesta Sapukowskis, and I feel like this was a pretty controversial decision. I know everyone loves to cry robbery, and we often come on here and say, "Oh, shut up! It's not a robbery; it's just a close fight." So I'm not saying it was a robbery because I do think it was close, and it probably could have gone either way. Um, but I feel like this was. Whether the judges could hear DC, I don't know. But watching it, like DC just would not shut up about um, Alexei Chuk's pressure. Oh, he's pressuring him. He's controlling the octagon. He's doing all the pressure. In the eyes of the judges, all this pressure looks so good. Pressure's not the primary scoring system in a fight. Like, I just wanted him to shut the fuck. It was so annoying. Um, and I, I felt Bukowski's fought a really good Like, Considering how he got knocked out last time, I thought he fought a really good fight here. And I, I kind of thought he was going to win. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in terms of optical control, obviously, Oleksijic, well, set the pace, really. I feel like that yeah. was the problem. Like, Bukowskis did well in terms of, like, he landed some really good shots, and some good kicks, but he did, he sort of fought Oleksijic's pace, which kind of, mm-hmm. he, he kind of played into his hands. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, because obviously you can, you can then apply your own pressure, but I feel like he probably should have thrown a bit more does that make sense? Like, I, I feel like what he was throwing was clearly working, but he seemed a bit hesitant. Yeah, he landed some really clean shots that would have knocked someone with a lesser chin out, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like you say, he could have picked the pace up a little bit because, I mean, he's in great shape. His cardio was great. He wasn't, you know, majorly gassed at the end of the third. So, you know, it doesn't, kind of feels like he didn't really empty the tank, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he he left a bit of himself in that octagon, which he'll probably regret. Um, I think it was a weird matchup, I'll be honest. Like, I, I was surprised that they went down that route. Well, I think they were both coming off losses, right? So I, guess I think um, Alexeychuk had two submission losses to OSP and someone else. Sure. Honestly, I don't remember. But um, yeah, I mean, I, t- I took a screenshot on my phone when uh, when I was scrolling Twitter after that fight, specifically to read out on this podcast, which is uh, which says this. It's, this is from the the rules of how judges score fights. It says, effective aggressiveness is only to be assessed, and that bit's underlined, is only to be assessed, if effective striking slash grappling is 100% equal for both competitors. So, um, you know, DC, legend of the game, one of the best to ever do it. Doesn't know the fucking the rules. rules. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll move on. Uh, Abu, Abu Bakar Namagamedov, really impressive performance against Jared Gooden. Um, not really sure what to make of Jared Gooden. I think he kind of sucks, if I'm being brutally honest. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets cut maybe after his next loss or even after this one. Nurmagomedov looked looked really good though, considering I think we kind of, everyone anticipated, oh, he's just going to come out and use the advantage he has on the ground. His his striking looked really good. Yeah, I mean, coming off a loss to um, David Zawada, like he he clearly had to kind of prove himself again. Mm -hmm. And he pretty much dominated that fight. 
I, I didn't really think that was a moment where good and kind of had him on the ropes or anything like that, um, or on the side of the cage. But I'll be honest, I nearly fell asleep in that fight. <laughs> it was just, it, it was just a bit. I don't know. He, he dominated the fight, but he, there was never a point where I was like, "Oh, he's going to finish." Good. Well, that's what I was slightly disappointed with. Like, like he, like I said, it was a really good performance, but I, I never thought Gooden posed any threat at all. And mm. because of that, I would expect Nurmagomedov to then go, "Okay, let's, you know, we're on a big pay per view. Let's put on a statement and get that performance bonus and move myself up the rankings." As you said, and there were moments where he was on top where I was like, "Oh, okay, good and clearly has no ground game whatsoever. You can, you can clearly finish it." Um, yeah, he's gone just, for a head and arm a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, head and arm. Like when he was in like half guard as well, I was like, "Well, clearly no defense mechanism or whatever in place." So it was a bit strange that he didn't go for that finish, but maybe he was just so scared of getting caught in a, a triangle choke again or a guillotine that he was just like, oh, "Maybe not." I don't know. Maybe that was playing on his mind. Either way, good to get a win under your belt after a, a tricky start to UFC tenure. So onwards and upwards. Yeah, and um, next we have what I feel like is being so overlooked as the weirdest shit to ever happen. <laughs> it's Alonso Menafield winning my belt. Because, um, because of the Nganu win, everyone's just forgotten about the fact that we just watched Menafield Von Flew somebody who's supposed to be known for their ground game. I mean, I know Sharon is you know new and we we, we probably haven't seen the best of him yet. And you know, we can't really judge judge him off this performance. But I don't know, it just feels like this has got under the radar that this just bizarre shit happened at the end of the prelims. No one's talking about it. I think it's because the it was a mismatch, right? Sharon yeah. was so out of depth against Menafield, who many have tipped before to be the future UFC like heavyweight champion. I mean, I, I don't think he is at all, but he's he's been in that. He's been. It. People have made that case before, and people will probably make that case at some point. <laughs> people in the have future. said it. We're not saying yeah. it. But yeah, we're not. I, I don't believe it at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was just out of his depth, um, and it showed on the night. Like a short notice, potent. Clearly, hadn't done much preparation in terms of cardio, um, and didn't really offer a lot. I was a bit disappointed, really. Like I'd been watching his highlights and stuff, and he's clearly very good on the ground, but he seemed to have no answer to a guy who's primarily known for his fists rather than his submission game rather than just uh, putting his shoulder into your um, throat but um, yeah I think you know based on the fact that his great nickname the water buffalo I'm ex- I'm expecting big things from Fabio <laughs> I said it last week I was like he's got a great nickname so I think he's going to have a great time in UFC so I'm sticking with it this was just a minor setback for a major <laughs> comeback for a guy that I know absolutely nothing about so um, I'm completely uneducated on this subject but um yeah, should we get onto the main card? We yeah, had, that's good. Uh, Karma Worthy's chin foiling him once again. I think I was a little bit surprised personally to see this was basically a pick and fight on with the bookies because those who have watched Karma Worthy before and have seen his fights before he was in the UFC know that a gust of wind can knock him out, and that's basically what happened. I mean. You know, fair play to Malaki. I'm not you know, discounting what a nice shot it was, but it was the first clean shot, and he was doing the chicken dance. Yeah, a bit of a stanky leg. Um... <laughs> Always good to see. Great way to open the main we card, though. We love that. Yeah. I mean, I think you messaged me at the time being like, did you just see that stunky leg? And I was like, <laughs> clipping that up. Um, yeah, it still doesn't, the... still doesn't beat the best one of the year, which was um, Sanchez against Muradov. That, that, that was the best dance of the year so far, definitely. More on Muradov later, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I, I, it was great for Malaki. Like, again, another tricky start to the UFC. Shame that Alex wasn't on the card, obviously, but carried it home for CKB boys and and freestyle MMA. Um, but yeah, it was a weird. It was almost like one, it was one punch or or one shot, as you say. And yeah, it was literally like one clean shot, and he was all over the place um, um, and went down like, face first as well. We've seen Malaki in a war with Brad Riddell, and never at any point did Brad Riddell really look like he was going to get starched. So there was there was one left hook. I remember Malaki landing. It kind of um, rocked him, right? But it but was then, not like. But a, then he took the back afterwards instead of instead of throwing more. So. Um, gave Riddell time to recover but yeah I know what you mean like there was a, a lot of clean shots landed yeah. in that fight and neither of them went out so um, you know Malaki's not a guy with you know that death touch one, yeah, one punch exactly. power yeah. he's not a Francis right like, or a Connor like, but, uh, so I think I think I have more questions about well, his chin um, but uh, as I said like it was a fantastic performance did he get did he get a bonus I feel like he got a bonus. I think he did, yeah. Oh, no, no, he might have got robbed, actually, because um, O'Malley got one, and Ngannou got one, and then Luke and Woodley got fight of the night, which is kind of uh, weird. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it should have been Luke and Malaki getting performance tonight. I think Malaki did get robbed. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm really happy for him, actually, because 
that that fight with Brad Riddell is one of my favorite fights in recent years. Like it was just I, it, it was it was in Melbourne as well. So like you know because the home crowd were going crazy. It was that that was such a good fight with the yeah with the atmosphere in the in the um in the arena as well. So I was you know excited for him to get his first win after I th- I think he won his last fight as well. To be fair, um if you remember it was a ridiculous close decision uh, i was gonna say ridiculous robbery there but i changed because i just said five minutes ago we hate people who say everything's a robbery um it was a ridiculously close decision um <laughs> do, do, have you got someone in mind for uh for next matchups for malarkey it's a pretty stacked division at lightweight i'm gonna be british bars again but mark g casey i feel like that makes sense um just coming off that loss to physique yeah yeah which again was a great fight stylistically and i think that's a really fun matchup because malarkey's like well, he's going to stand and bang right, and that's what Mark does best. So, I kind of fight like. And I, I don't think, it. like I said, with all due respect to Malaki, because I do like him. Um, and he's not, he's not Fazeev. So, yeah, um, exactly. Bit more um, favorable matchup for GK. Say that one. Uh, my pick was, and I'm not sure on this one because, like I said, we mentioned this last week. I'm not actually sure if I saw some news that he'd been reinstated, and other news saying he's not. But um, if he is back in the UFC, Otman Azaitar. They've both just knocked out the same guy in their last fight. They've both just knocked out Karma Worthy in their last fight. So I think that'd be extremely fun to get Zaitar in there with a guy in Malarkey who has an insane chin and see if that, you know, that one punch power Zaitar is famed for works on someone like Malarkey or whether he's just been crushing cans. Yeah, that's a really fun. That's, that's fireworks written. That, that is literally fireworks written. I, I, I like that. Yeah. Sean Shelby, I hope you listen. But that, yeah, that one Go has down. the. Uh, you know the um, sort of asterisks on it that we don't actually know what what the deal is with uh, Azaitar at the moment. So um, what was in the bag? Yeah, well he says potatoes, but <laughs> who scales a building in a ninja costume for a bag of potatoes? So uh, Miranda Maverick got a decision win against Jillian Robertson. You said you were a little bit disappointed with this this fight. Um, I was disappointed in Robertson because I thought she would do a lot better. I mean, I don't know what her plan was in the first round to stand up and strike with someone who's clearly much better than her standing up and striking. It was weird. Um, if I were 30 seconds into that fight, she should have been going for a takedown. But um, I think pretty impressive from from Miranda that she came back from a, a losing second round to then dominate the third round. But like you say, slightly disappointing. Yeah, it was... I'll be honest, I nearly fell asleep. Apologies. It, it was late for us, okay? I feel like we're having, I, we have a valid excuse. Um I, I don't know. I, I wasn't up for the. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mavericks looked fantastic. I mean, against uh, Liana, obviously stopped her. Um, so two fight win streak is great. But it, yeah, it was just. A, it, it, I don't know. I feel like Robertson could. It, Robertson didn't fight to her strengths, which is really. I, like I, I said, I have no idea what she was doing. Um, yeah. That that fight should have been on the mat the entire. And I know Maverick won the third round on the on the mat. So you know maybe it wouldn't work for Robertson anyway. But. Just, I don't know what she was doing, spending the entire first five minutes striking. And where there was such a disadvantage as well, like in terms of, I feel like in terms of strength, like physical I, strength. I think if, they, if they'd stayed on the feet for 15 minutes, she would have got knocked out. Like Miranda landed some pretty big shots on her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, credit to Robertson's chin. I have more of an issue with Dean Thomas, but we'll kind of, I feel like we'll touch on that in the Woodley fight <laughs> later on. Um, well, we said yeah. last week as well with Robertson, it's like you never know what you're going to get coming from yeah. that camp. Like, is the good Jillian Robertson that does what she's good at going to show up or is the Jillian Robertson that spends the first five minutes striking and the last five minutes disappearing um, and she'll be kicking herself she'll be kicking herself because she's fallen so far down the rankings Um, yeah and Miranda obviously and she definitely has the ability to win that fight I mean I already have the matchup for you I don't know if she's actually booked but um, Alexa Grasso well I was going to say I went on the rankings and there's only three people anywhere near um, Miranda Maverick in the rankings that aren't booked and those are Grasso, Macy Barber and Cynthia Calvillo so yeah, it has go- to pretty much be one of those three I'm going Grasso because I just think that that again is like they're just going to be throwing bombs at each other and Grasso has some of the best I think she's actually one of the best female boxers in the UFC so on the feet at least DC says she's the best boxer <laughs> of any um, any weight think- class in the UFC yeah, I think Amanda Nunez wants a word. And, <laughs> yeah, I, if we're talking promotion, I think Clarissa Shields kind of has something to say as well. And I'm not even that's not even forgetting Holly Holm. Oh yeah, like, I think he did actually say in all of MMA, not just in the UFC. So yeah, um, yeah he might have forgot Shields exists. But um, yeah, I agree. I think Grass will be a good fight. I I kind of looked at Calvillo, but she's higher up in the rankings and maybe quite a you know kind of throwing Miranda to the you know to the walls when she's that young might be a bit of a risk. Um, and 
yeah, I, I can go with the Grasso matchup. That sounds fun. <laughs> um, we had Sean O'Malley getting back in the win column after. Oh no, wait, he was already in the, in the undefeated. Undefeated, column, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, mentally undefeated. What does he um, call it? The Sugar State Athletic Commission. I yeah, did you see um, when when Bruce Buffer read out his record? He, he yeah. did like a zero towards Bruce Buffer, which I, as much as I love Cheeto and I was ex- very um, ecstatic that he beat O'Malley. I, I have got a good kick out of the whole undefeated thing. Like people that are getting mad about it, what are you doing? It's just, he's just taking the piss. Like he's trying to make you mad. If you just right, laugh, I'm, it's funny. I'm, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here as well. I can kind of get what he's saying. I know that sounds like crazy because again, yeah. as, as when we broke down that fight, I was saying, well, Cheeto was, uh, well, Cheeto obviously dominated him when after after the leg kick, but I think he can't like you know. I'm not the biggest. Before we get started, I'm not the biggest Sean O'Malley fan gone on record before saying that some of the things he's come out and said have been far too outlandish and far too extreme but I think he does have a point in the sense that it is quite a an unfortunate injury to sustain in a fight like how well, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's controversial to say it's a, it was a freak thing like yeah. it, it it is controversial to say oh he didn't he didn't lose the fight it wasn't fair um, yeah. but yeah like you say what it, it was a freak thing like that and I feel you like, don't see that happen every time there's a leg kick in every fight like and no disrespect to Cheeto but I feel like 9 times out of 10 as I'm sure we'll get on to talk about like the Ben Asker and Masvidal thing, I feel like Sean would probably win that fight just because like, no, again, no disrespect to Cheeto, but in terms of like what Almeida's done in the past, you could say that Almeida and, and Cheeto are quite similar. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously not, they're not the complete different trajectories at the moment, but if you look at it, like the body of work and all that kind of stuff, Almeida is the same sort of level of opponent as Cheeto Vera. Well, I think Cheeto is problem with is with three round fights. If you put Cheeto in a five round fight, I think he'd fare a lot better because he tends to take the first ten minutes off, sort of figuring out like reading his opponent and stuff, and then turns it up towards the end, which really you know he, he paid for in the Aldo fight. But um, anyway, yeah, O'Malley back in the win column for you know properly for good and um, fantastic, quite no, impressive. Yeah, like it stylistic. I'm that was pure mixed martial arts. You're not going to see a better striking display probably this year than what Sean O'Malley just did Thomas Almeida could have not could have put him away in the first round but instead he gave us 10 more minutes of pure joy like, I mean not even watching. just with the um, it wasn't even just the failed walk-off there were plenty of occasions he could have put him away yeah. um, and that's not a criticism I just mean you know he he was piecing him up the entire time and, and Thomas Almeida to give him his credit was a very live opponent like yeah clearly he was trying to make a bit of a statement and there were times where I was like oh, okay he's going to try and have his have his own way, but Armani just didn't let him close that distance. And again, was piecing him up with kicks. I mean, so, some of the stuff that he threw, I was like, "This is kind of what we've been expecting to see from Sean O'Malley since he well, since he first broke into the UFC, right? Like what he was doing on the contender series, and even before that, like on the regional circuit, he's clearly a star and he's clearly got fighting ability. It's just a case of when he actually pieces it all together against and." doesn't get kicked in whatever he calls it the vein thing or whatever it there was. was one moment where his ankle like buckled did you see that I think yeah. it was in the second round his ankle like buckled and I had buddy Otto Mali KO so I had a, a like a gasp of oh my god <laughs> like I thought something had gone terribly wrong um so I think that you know there clearly is you know the injury history he's had does have some sort of effect there but you know as, as long as it doesn't give him drop foot then he should be fine um in terms of next matchups he uh He's talked about Dominic Cruz and Cruz has spoken, I think, today about about that fight, saying, I'm not calling him out, but that would be a fun fight. And um, the other person I've seen mentioned because he himself raised it on Twitter is um, Barcelos, has has called O'Malley out on Twitter. And I got to say, as much as we've just been singing O'Malley's praises, I don't think he would take that fight. Because it's not a big big name and it's a fucking dangerous fight to take. I have a different angle. I'm going to go with Nathaniel Wood. Because I feel like they both have something to gain, in that, gain out of that fight. Like Woods coming off a last close contentious decision to um, Casey Kenny. Well, it depends on like his time frame because he's still recovering from injury. And if you've seen like his videos with his dog, he's got like tears and cuts all over his hands from where his dog's claws have like shredded them to pieces. But I, I think stylistically, that's a really fun matchup. Like, I know. Well, been... I think Wood beat Kenny as well. To be fair, we can say yeah, that. exactly. And. and um, in terms of the ranking as well, I feel like that kind of makes sense. They're both in and around like top twenty, top fifteen, right? Like, I think that's like that's a decent matchup. The Cruz fight, I think, makes sense, but I'd rather see Cruz versus Jose Aldo or Cruz versus Frankie Edgar. Like for me, that's like Cruz Edgar is the one I want to be honest. Yeah. Cruz Edgar is the fight to make. 
it's the one we've been wanting for years and they just <laughs> yeah. haven't done it. <laughs> so that, that makes more sense to me. But I can understand why O'Malley's calling them out because, well... Well, you can make that a co-main on a pay-per-view. You can make it the main yeah, of a fight exactly. night. Like, yeah, that that would definitely, um, you know, get people watching. Um, fight of the night: Vicente Luque, Tyron Woodley. Like we just said, we're a little bit surprised it's a fight of the night instead of just giving Luque a performance bonus. But um, can people stop underrating Vicente Luque now? Like, I know this is a shadow of former Woodley, but this guy has two losses in however many fights in the UFC. He's super active. He nearly always wins by finish, and those two losses are to Wonder Boy and Leon Edwards, like two of the, two of the best welterweights in the world. Yeah, Luke yeah. is so fucking good and so fun as well. He is very good. I just don't think he's championship level. And I know that sounds crazy because he's just dominated Woodley. But I think he might said, be a little bit too crazy to be championship level because he puts himself in harm's way so much. And I also think, as you said, because he's crazy, he'll, he'll get picked apart by the likes of this man. Um. Well, I mean, if you watch the Leon Edwards fight again, Leon pretty much dominated him. If you look at the um, the Wonder Boy, Wonder Boy, yeah, yeah. it was a perfect example of what you're saying, yeah. Um, but again, always brings it. Uh, Vincente Luque is never in a dull fight either way. Like that Wonder Boy fight was one of my favorite fights of the year. Um, purely yeah, because every time he got dropped, you just stood back up and started coming forward. Yeah, again. you could see. Yeah. One, like, I think Wonder Boy said it after the fight. Like, damn, that guy's tough. Yeah. I, I, I don't really want to talk. I don't really, bizarrely. I don't really want to talk about the winner here because there's a part of me that just wishes Woodley had hung it up ages ago. Like he has nothing else to prove. He clearly has nothing else to fight for. Like it was the we we spoke about this on the previous podcast. It was the same old story. Woodley spent the entire week just saying, "Oh, I've worked on like the things that I need to improve. Um, bringing the heat that saw me win the title and." Like all the the typical melodramatic spiel that I don't know. Any yeah, this this time he did throw a few punches, which was an improvement on his last three. But his fights. game, but his game, his game plan went completely out of the well, and not even his game plan. His fight IQ just went completely out yeah. the window, and he gassed. Like Tyron Woodley, who's meant to have a ridiculous gas tank, the guy who completely dominated and shut out Darren Till, the guy who went well, who had two wars with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. It just faded and it was just really I don't know like you kind of mentioned it when, in, during the fight I was just like you're so right like not only no, I, I, I was quite it made me quite sad yeah. to watch to be honest yeah um, just because like I'm I'm a fairly new MMA fan I think I'd say I've only been watching like like the you know the whole prelims of every card for like four or five years and you know before that I was just a full-on casual watching the big pay-per-views um and so in the time when I've been watching the UFC Woodley was like like when I started watching it Woodley was just coming to the fore as like a fucking absolute star um and yeah it was quite sad to watch. Like that moment where he he sort of ran away and stood up against the cage and like took a breather as Luke came over to chase him. Like he leant up against the cage, like fucking hell. Like um, it, it was quite brutal to watch. And then, yeah, to just see him. I mean, I think it was his first submission loss, wasn't it? Yeah. Or did he, yeah, he got stopped by Nate Marquardt. But even that's crazy. Like if you think about Woodley against Hill, it's just a dramatic fall from grace. And I just don't mm. want to see it anymore. Like he clearly hasn't got it in him to compete at the high level. And I think it's doing a disservice to his legacy. Like I, I will touch on that with Stipe, but I, I, I don't know. I just don't want to see him fight anymore. I, he has nothing else. To, I don't even want to see him fight in Bellator because I think like Douglas Lima or like imagine him fighting Gegard Mousasi, which is exactly what Scott Coker would do. They just put him in, mm. like, put him in, put a former UFC champion in with Gegard Mousasi. He's basically Luke with more fight IQ and more experience. <laughs> yeah, and but it, it, it would be brutal. And as I was saying with the Julian Robertson fight, like. My biggest gripe is with um, Dean Thomas. Like Dean Thomas came out after that fight and said that their game plan was basically like throw hell to leather and leave it all in the first round. But to me, that tells you me more about like where Woodley's at in terms of his career and why aren't you as a coach trying to protect your fighter and give him a solid game plan that he can try and... Well, yeah, that's fights. also a terrible game plan to go against Vicente Luque with. Like That's the last person you want to just go and, exactly. and just trade leather with like he has an insane chin and insane power yeah it just it baffles me to be honest and I, I, again don't get me wrong like, I really like Dan Thomas I mean I, I've been I've been fortunate enough to speak to him a couple of times but it, it disappointed me to say the least and 
I think, well, I think that's the last we'll see of Woodley in the UFC. I, I don't think, I mean, Dana's never had the best relationship with him, let's be honest. And why would Dana, like, if, if you think about what the, well, it's the last fight on his contract, so he'll have to have a new contract and he'll be earning, well, I can't remember what it is, but, you know, the different strands and they'll be putting on, like, former champion pay, which is substantially lower than, like, championship pay. And I don't think he, he's got it in or anymore to fight at the top level. So, yeah, I can see, I can see him being cut. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Sad music starts playing. Um, that's just Hello, so. Darkness, my old yeah, friend. so that when we uh, when we get all the music and stuff to edit into the pod, we know what sort of moments we need to do. <laughs> Put the little jingles in. Um, main event: Francis Ngannou. We already talked about it briefly. Um, absolutely insane, insanely good performance. Like just everything we we wanted him to do, he did, and more. Like just absolutely perfect performance. Uh, I feel like we need to talk about Stipe's hair. <laughs> what was going on there he looked like um man has a worse trim than i do and i've got locked down <laughs> he looked like, like he was trying to <laughs> trying to do like a stylish tuft kind of thing but then once he started getting punched in the face it just started going all over the place so like bed hair or you're not at the end of a mop <laughs> <laughs> well actually i thought that because the bed hair thing's funny because i actually thought he looked half asleep in there like before he even started getting punched like i know anyone would be asleep after who hit some but it was weird like as good as Ngannou was i i kind of felt like it, that wasn't 100% Stipe, you know, maybe something will come out that he had an injury or whatever, I don't know. Um, he He's not going to say that, is he, because he's too classy, but yeah, I don't know, it was weird. He looked half asleep, but I guess we just have to give all the props to Nganu because of how fucking good he was. Yeah, oh, just, I mean, ironically, we both messaged each other just going like, well, expletive, 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 because we're just so ecstatic. Not, but not, And no disrespect to Stipe, of course, because as we're going to say, like, the man at the heavyweight goat, nothing changes at all in my eyes. But it was just a complete masterclass from Nganu. And he did everything he said he was going to. Like he said he'd made the adjustments, as I mentioned earlier. And it was just nice to see Nganu kind of get that redemption arc. Like he came short the first time, and the second time he completely cleared the hurdle and made a real statement. Um and leaving no doubt in my mind that he, he is currently the best heavyweight in the UFC. I I, I say that because as we're going to talk about, John Jones is not technically a heavyweight at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just. I, don't know. I think some, something else Ngannou showed in this fight, um, and, he, and I guess he showed a little bit of in the first TB fight, he took quite a lot of damage in that fight, was that this guy has a fucking chin as well. Yeah. I mean, you could tell just by looking at him, he looks like he's got a concrete block for a head. But, um, <laughs> you know, for a guy who has like 11 out of 10 power. How is it fair that he also happens to have like one of the best chins in the organization as well? Like Stipe hit him clean with the exact shot that slept Verdum and it barely what like it wobbled him for a split well, second. A good, that's he, a good pick. I like and that. then he was back to um back to knocking him out. Like it was well, it, it was literally the same shot. He was it was you know coming backwards, a left this cheeky left hook. Um and it just like I said, it was it, it, and Gano sort of went, Oh, <laughs> don't want one of those again, and then knocked him out. Yeah, I mean, the follow-up shot kind of like sent shivers down my spine, you know, the one on the ground. I was like, Herb, what are you doing? But um, i got to yeah. disagree with you there. That's what I wanted to say about Herb Dean in this fight. I've, really? All I've seen on Twitter after this is, oh, Herb, I saw someone say Herb Dean should never ref another fight again, and they had it with a gif of the finish. I, Yeah, okay, it's brutal to see a hammer fist from France, but that's just because it's Francis Ngannou. If it was any other fighter, you wouldn't, I don't think anyone would think it was that bad. Like, what is Herb fact- supposed to do? Stand in the pocket? Like, he... You know, he doesn't want to get too close because that's something we've criticized him before in the past as well, is being right up on top of the fighters. We've said he does that too much in the past. Um, and I just feel like if you're going to criticize refs, and that fight wasn't the fight to do it because, like I say, he's, he's not going to stand right next to them. They're six foot five and 250 pounds. And, um, you know, he sprinted as fast as he could, yelling, stop, 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 stop. What, you know, what else can he do? I agree in that regard, but it was more the fact that Stipe folded. Like, I mean, did you see the man's back? It basically, like, well, I don't know if you've seen that that regional video where the boxer gets knocked out and he basically, like, folds his spine in half. But that's what it kind of looked like to me. Like, when Stipe went down, I was like, okay, he's out. Like, he's done. Um, not that I, I, think, I don't think it was... I think Herb knew that and he tried to get there as quick as he could. He just wasn't quite quick enough. Yeah, I um... think that's the issue, though. I think, I think, but I think, I think that's more of a criticism of Herb in general. Like, I think he's just lost his timing. Um, yeah, to, to charge him off this fight is ridiculous, but if you look at the previous... Well, how, how many fights have we criticised Herb Dean for on this podcast? I can probably name about five that's or what, six. That's my point. I feel like we criticise him all the time, and this is one where everyone was criticising him. I kind of felt like, 
well, what is he supposed to do there? Like, he can't teleport to them. Um, and and someone, um, I don't know who it was, so sorry if you listen to this and I'm ignoring shouting you out, but um, someone I follow on Twitter uh, posted a video of CB Dolloway against Khalid uh, Murtazaliv or something like that. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, that's from 2018. It was Dolloway's last fight in the UFC. And basically said, now this is like, this is a Herb Dean stoppage to complain about. Stop complaining about, you know, the hammer fists on Stipe because, I mean, that fight pretty much ended Dolloway's career. Like there was like a full 60 seconds of him flat on his face with his hands by his side, getting punched in the head. And Herb Dean stood there going, move fighter, move. Um, so I think like the, the point is, as a, it's probably a bad way of looking at it. You know, two wrongs don't make a right, but there are so many worse refereeing errors to worry about than this one, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think, it's, I think again, it's just more like the timing and that Herb's been off the pace for so long. That's my that's my real Yeah, I'd, I'd agree he's, he's not the best and shouldn't have main events anymore. Um, but I just think the backlash but, from that incident in particular have been a bit over the top. Yeah, I think it's maybe just the fact that we know how powerful Francis is. And Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was saying. Like, I think it makes it more scary for people. That holy fuck, Francis and Gallagher hitting you was was it Dana said like a Ford Escort or something? Yeah, um, and equally, yeah. I mean that's the crazy. We haven't even spoken about that. The 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 punch that basically knocked Stipe out was essentially a check hook. That wasn't even like well, the back. one that wobbled him was like a, a yeah, just a jab like coming in with a jab, like it wasn't yeah. loaded up or anything. Yeah, like and it's something that again, I feel like we always shout out to Dan Hardy, but shout out to Dan Hardy for pointing it out in the breakdown. Um, how Francis's power and the power that he generates doesn't just have to come from like the arc of, the arc of his arm, but he can generate it from such a short distance that it is just ridiculous. The man just carries. Yeah, like, he doesn't need that Cody wind up on um, yeah. on a sun shower. He doesn't need that shit. <laughs> Which leads but, us nicely onto uh, the ogre or the elephant in the room. Which is what? Who's next for Francis? Yeah, John Jones. Well, what, I think the bigger question saying? is who who do you think has the best chance of beating Francis? John Jones. I had, I actually think it's Derek Lewis, because my my thinking is the the thing of oh we'll pick him apart oh wrestling our oh, cardio. I think the only way you're going to stop Francis now now that he's shown that he's developed other parts of his game is if you have someone else who has that ridiculous otherworldly power that can put someone out. Like I can't I can't see someone lasting 25 minutes with them. Um, what were people on? What's the new mythical fighter name for him? Calm Francis or something? Composed Francis? I can't see someone lasting twenty five minutes in there with him. Um, you know, playing the smart game. I, I just, I just can't. I think the only way that you can match him is someone else who has that ability. And the only one I'm looking at is Derek Lewis. I do agree, but I think like Derek Lewis, we all know his tricks. I, I, it's, it's not hard to work out. He relies on his, on his, on his brawn and. His power. I think John Jones has so many facets to his game. Yeah, he's got the wrestling, but I think we're also forgetting his submission. Like the guy's a submission artist, can take an arm, can take a head, can take a leg, can take a foot, you name it. And whilst we've seen Francis defend takedowns, we haven't seen him defend submission attempts. Like that's a whole nother ball game. I think the um, the, the positive um, thing to say about Jones in this matchup is um, fight IQ. Like that's yeah, probably exactly, the exactly, most yeah. the most overlooked aspect of John Jones. Every time people talk about John Jones. Like I'd say that's his best trait, honestly. His fight IQ, and also, it's it's going to be a huge advantage if you're going in there with a guy who can literally knock your head off. And as we were saying about the fight IQ, like John has so many different arsenals, and Stipe to give him like again greatest heavyweight of all time. Heavyweights don't have the same arsenals as John. Jones. Like how many heavyweights do we see throw like oblique kicks or mm-hmm. like spinning back kick? And and I know it's easy to say because we've only just we've only seen like brief videos of training on sparring and things like that of, of John so far but you can clearly see that John's still moving like a middleweight and I will say middleweight I know he's a light heavyweight at heart but even at light heavy John's always moved like a middleweight like you look at his early rise in the UFC and if he can replicate even a fa- like 10% of what he did at light heavyweight I still think he has enough to beat Francis the question in my eyes is whether Francis can stop like, I feel like Francis obviously has the power and he clearly has improved in his wrestling but John, I mean, as a collegiate wrestler, like NCAA champ, like what hasn't John Jones done in his career, right? Like the guy is the goat for a reason. He's clear. I feel like the only way that Francis loses is if John Jones has the answers. And uh, to give to give DC his credit, I mean, I know I I don't necessarily have like 
the highest opinion of DC, but even DC said like, I mean, I saw some crazy tweets being like, "Oh, John Jones is scared." John Jones, uh, DC was like, "Well, he just laughed it off, didn't he?" He was like, "Yeah, he was like, that's ridiculous." Of of all the things you say about John Jones, like, look at his fucking. Re- if he was scared, he wouldn't have spent the last ten years of his life getting in there with absolute killers twice a year. I also have a caveat for this answer, and this kind of leads us nicely onto the next part of the topic. I think that, and it's it's crazy, and I'm on the I'm on the gravy train, and I already know what look you're going to give me. But I think the only heavyweight who can beat Francis, I don't mean it's right Cyril now, Gunn. Like, yeah, give it. A <laughs> I honestly, knew you were going to say that. Honestly, um, give it. And a honestly, the, what may surprise you is I don't think it's that crazy, um, <laughs> because he, I mean, he has similar skills to Francis and similar power. Obviously, people are going to look at that Rosenstrike fight and say what a disappointment it was, but. He showed his fight IQ in that fight, and he showed us his power in the past. So he has both. Um, so yeah, I and think I agree with a bit he more. He trains the guy who brought Francis up from nothing. Like, yeah, and and maybe you know one more big win, then I think he could be in line to at least have a shot. Yeah. And who wouldn't want to watch that in Paris? Like that. I mean, that sells out like the part of the prince in my eyes. Like Francis has been crying out for like this. Well, they've got it now in Francis, but they've been crying out for like the French champion or whatever, like the French MMA fighter. And oh, that's, yeah. If, if like, Dan wins another heavyweight fight, that's that's the main, when they do the first event in Paris or, or in France, wherever it may I be in France. I agree. And like, I, I there's no other fight to make. It, it, it sounds crazy, but like Garn, what Garn did to Rosenstreich for me was more impressive than what Francis did, as you said about the fight IQ. There wasn't a moment in that fight where I was like, oh, okay, Rosenstreich's going to win. Like, in that first round with Francis, when Rosenstroke threw that leg kick, there was a part of me thinking, oh, okay, if this turns into a kickboxing match, because we've heard so much about Rosenstroke's kickboxing, maybe like Rosenstroke can have the upper hand. And then obviously Francis went crazy and just threw like caution to the wind and the death windmill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, I mean, stylistically, I, I, maybe it's too soon, but that's my gut feeling. My gut feeling is that Garn is, is his hardest fight. I don't know if you've seen any of the sparring footage, but there's, I'll send you a clip later. I think Flan posted it on his Instagram like years ago of Garn, a young Garn and Garn just going at it in training. And they're both standing, they're both trading and they're both standing there. Like, and and this isn't like light sparring. This is like no head headgear, no pads, mm-hmm. anything. It's literally just them going at it. And that's really exciting. Yeah, that'd be a banging fight. <laughs> Whether Gun could win or not, who knows? That, but that would be a banging fight. Um, I think that's pretty much all we want to say on uh, on 260. We did want to talk about, before we have a, a little look at Bellator, because who actually gives a fuck about Bellator? Um, we did want to talk about sort of some of the insane news that we've had about UFC 262 in the last couple of days. Um, Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz, co-main event, five rounds, first ever non-title fight, five-round five co-main event. Um, I got to say, and I think Nate Diaz referred to this on Twitter, this is genius, a genius matchup to put under the Chandler Oliveira fight. Because I think, um, I don't know whether Nate said this actually or someone else said this on Twitter, that if if they just had Chandler Oliveira and then like, you know, fights like, I don't know, Hermanson Shabazian that, you know, that a casual won't know, all the casuals will still think Habib's a lightweight champ. Like <laughs> then they're, they're not even going to, like it's not even going to register on their radar. But now everyone's tuning into Nate Diaz and then everyone will be there. You know, everyone will be present to see the new lightweight king be crowned. So I think, you know, in terms of marketing that that lightweight um, title bout, this is absolutely perfect. In terms of the equality of the matchup, I don't think it's perfect because I think Leon's going to absolutely destroy him for 25 minutes. The only question is, is Nate going to be Nate enough to hang in there for 25 minutes and not get finished? I mean, yeah, if, if Leon even shows an ounce of what he was doing to Bilal towards the end of that first round, it yeah. could be a long night for Nate. I think I, 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 I generally see... No, the reason I see no path for Nate winning is because what I think is is great about Diaz, as much as everyone talked about his toughness and his grit and his cardio, is his versatility. Like, he doesn't really have a weakness that you can go, oh, I'll attack him there. And, you know, that there I'll have an advantage. He's kind of a little bit good everywhere. But so is Leon and probably better everywhere. So I, I don't really see where there's an advantage for Nate in this fight. Yeah, I also think size as well. Like, we saw Nate struggle physically against Masvidal. Mm-hmm. Leon yeah, Masvidal was ragdolling him at times. And Leon isn't that much. I think Leon is actually a similar stature and similar build to Masvidal anyway, in terms of, like, their weight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in terms of matchmaking, though, it's brilliant because you, you kind of create a star in Leon, right? If Leon beats Nate, and I'm sure he'll be a heavy favourite. 
And this is what Leon like, needed as well. Like, oh, with all yeah, due respect 100%. to Bilal, this is a much more needed fight to advance Leon into the picture of of getting a welterweight title shot than and it fighting crazy, Bilal. But if he beats if he beats Diaz, I feel like he's gonna get the title shot next because, like, obviously, Usman, uh, Masvidal beat Diaz and then went straight into the title shot. It like, depends what they're doing with Colby. To be fair, um, I, I feel like they'll do, I feel Colby. like they'll go. Col- I think they were trying to do Kobe versus um, Leon and. That fell through for um <laughs> cough and, uh, cough, Colby's yeah. ducking. Um <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I said, I agree with that. I think people won't like it, but I could see Leon being in the in the title shot if he wins. Um this this card in general is absolutely insane. We got Tony Ferguson and Darius, we've already talked about that before. Um By Alex Perez against Schnell. That's gonna be a fun fight. I think Alex Perez should win that, but it should be a fun fight. Um, Barbosa against Shane Burgos. Fight like, of the fighters are night. Holy fuck, what a fight! Um, well, there's multiple that could be fighting. That. I mean, you got Felix and Darius there as well, like I said. Um, Jack Manson and, and Shabazian, we talked about that last week. That's a pretty brutal coming off a loss to Brunson for, um, for Shabazian. But if he wins, you know, sky's the limit. Um, Arahuo against Shukagian, Jack Array's back against Muniz, Andrea Lee, Antonina Shevchenko, Joel Alvarez is back. He's looked really impressive in his few fights. Um, he's fighting Giagos. Like, this card's just absolutely stacked. I cannot wait for this card. Like, every single fight on this card is exciting. And I've also seen um, Adrian Yanez try- is trying to get on this card on Twitter. He started, like, a little Twitter campaign to try and get on this card and is looking for opponents. Well, you know who you know who would be fun for Yanez? I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Sean O'Malley. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't take yeah. the fight. Yeah, no, they wouldn't make but... it, but that would be hellish fun, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, one I've I've seen um, reply to him on Twitter. I don't know whether he, he would get the fight. I think Giannis is kind of um, a level above profile wise at the minute. It seems like Giannis is one they're really trying to push. Um, but Randy Costa replied on Twitter and said, "Like fuck it, let's let's do it. I'm down." And um, like they're both super respectful as well. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> if you want to fight, I'll fight. Let's do it. Throw it down." Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that's one. I, I'm not sure that's one they'd make, but I'd love to see that. That'd be a hell of a good fight. I know Costa had his. His last fight fell through. I can't remember whether it was because he or his opponent got injured or... Um, but, uh, yeah, um, definitely would love to see that. Nate Diaz, on the subject of this card, has been going off on Twitter today again. <laughs> I wanted to talk about it because it's absolutely fucking hilarious. Um, he got Connor typing some big-ass essays and then he just said, lol, you suck. <laughs> Which is the greatest comeback to whatever bullshit Connor is spewing ever. Um, but Connor got some good digs in there as well. Diaz is just so gangster, isn't he? Like, yeah. uh, it sounds so cringy saying it, but the guy's just the guy's especially just when we say it when when yeah, Brits yeah. say it, it sounds even worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah who's that? Yeah, what, what should I say? Mafioso. I don't know. Um, yeah, he, he just oozes entertainment, doesn't he? Like, he's just such an entertainer. Characters like Diaz make MMA for me. Like the guy talks himself into a BMF fight. The guy mm-hmm. talks himself into two fights with Connor. Like. You need these salesmen, you need these characters in MMA, otherwise the sport will die. Um, and yeah, his social media game is just on point. It's just so funny. Every every day it feels like there's like something that the Diaz brothers have done that is just hilarious. And without them, it would be a it, it would be a, a, a poorer space without them for sure. Yeah, and I mean talking of personalities, um, we talked last week about Paddy Pimlet joining the UFC. And while we're on the uh, the Twitter beef conversation, I, I definitely want to bring this up. If if you're not following Paddy Pimlet on Twitter, um, you're making a mistake. <laughs> he, uh, Guram Kutaladze, who, if anyone's forgotten, won his debut fight in very impressive fashion against Mateus Gamrot, um, tweeted at, at Sean Shelby, please let me welcome your new superstar and tagged Paddy into it um, to the UFC in June and see how much of a baddie he is. And uh, Paddy replied, who the fuck is that mushroom? <laughs> and then Kusaladze said, um, it wasn't supposed to be trash talk. I'm your barber, but instead of cutting your hair, I will cut off your head, which is extremely strange after you've just said you're not trash talking to say you're going to cut off someone's head. <laughs> but then the, the thread just escalated from there and it got weirder and weirder, weirder, weirder. Um, Clay weed. And then um, Ilya Tupuria, my guy, my hype train, joined in as well um paddy basically says some shit about um georgians are fake russians and so now like all the georgian fighters are piling in on it um and yeah paddy's going after topuria now as well saying like no i don't need to learn geography like you learn how to fight and just dumb shit like that um basically said topuria sucks um 
yeah. If you if you're not following Paddy on Twitter, you need to be following Paddy on Twitter and look at it. Is um is beef with every Georgian fighter on the roster? It seems like right now, um, because it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, he, he certainly knows how to make an entrance, doesn't he? I'm, well, yeah, I'm I mean, like like that. I said, it's um what you just said about Diaz is you know marketing basically. Like I'm I don't think he would stand a chance against Topuri. I think he'd get absolutely killed, but everyone's talking about him now. Like you go on MMA Twitter, it's all anyone's talking about. Well, not all anyone's talking about, but um, yeah, it's, it's clever marketing. What more can you say? I just really hope they apply the brakes. Like let's build them up. We, like, I mean, we look at what they did with Mason Jones. The three of them was a really tough fight. He lost, but he'll rebuild. I feel like they need to do the same. Well, they don't need to do the same. They need to learn their lesson and, and build Paddy up, do what they did with Connor. He's clearly yeah. got like, I mean, in terms of Liverpool alone, imagine Paddy selling out like the Echo Arena or, well, hell, even if, if Till, if Till ever fights for the title, and it's not looking likely at the moment, but if Till ever fights for the title, imagine like Anfield with Paddy on the main card and, and Molly and whatever. Like, it, Liverpool's a fighting city. Paddy Pimler, you can love him or hate him. He knows how to fight. He knows how to bring a crowd. And that is what the UFC love. That That's um, dollars written all over it. I'm all for it. I love the guy. I think he's absolutely hilarious. Have yeah, I mean, I got, I got a bit roasted last week, like I said, for um, saying I think he might get smoked in the UFC and might be slightly overrated. But um, what, one thing for sure, I'm excited to watch him fight. Like, whatever whatever my opinions are. For his, I mean, did you, did you see that video that Ariel pulled up? I was actually at that event, the Echo Arena, where he made his walk out. Of, um, I can't yeah, remember which yeah, cage yeah. it was. It's like Cage Warriors 105 or something. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, yeah, again, just entertain him. Like you actually want to tune into his fight. Mm-hmm, for sure. How many fighters on the roster can you actually say that? Like, Especially wow. ones that haven't fought, haven't even fought yet. Like there's yeah, exactly. very few that come in and just make that entrance straight off the bat. Exactly. I, I, I mean, again, let's apply the brakes. I don't think he's going to get a top 15 opponent. I know we're speaking about that on BT Sport. Again, ridiculous. But if he has three fights, four fights, in the next year or so, you can definitely see that happening because, again, 26, magic on the mic, they're going to push him. Yeah. Um, and what, again, while we're on the Twitter, Twitter subject, um, I did want to talk about Masvidal because he's being cringy as fuck again. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I don't know if you saw, well, I know you did, but you just mentioned it earlier. Um, him, him and Ben Askren going, going at it again. Obviously, uh, Jake Paul called masvidal in the middle of his press conference with with ben Askren. Can, can we just Askren... can we just touch on that like that whole thing is an absolute farce and it's oh amazing. yeah it's ridiculous um i, I mean watch it, Jay, but it's, it's Jay Paul, i don't know how anyone finds him entertaining funny what anything like he's literally just a classic like douchey frat boy but anyway that's not what we're <laughs> here to talk about um <laughs> the uh yeah the whole masvidal Askren thing got, got uh got onto the topic that we've been waiting for Askren to tweet about, like he couldn't. Have, I feel like he couldn't have tweeted about this when it happened because he would have just got roasted beyond belief. But now he's he's allowed Masvidal's public image to just decline so much that now everyone's agreeing with Askren. Um, he basically said, "You know, congrats, I made you famous because you landed the luckiest knee of your life." And he's kind of right. Like, you know, how many times out of a hundred would that knee land perfectly as it did? And um, he has got famous off it, so he's not really, you know, speaking any lies. And he's kind of shown his level, right? Like everyone can say that he took a short notice fight against Usman, but do you really think that this title fight coming up is going to be any different? I mean, he may go on to start Usman, who knows? But let's be real, that's not happening. Like, well, that was one not... of the other things I was going to say about um, him being cringy. I don't know if you saw him talking about Usman. He said like, "I'm going to break your face up like chicken wings or something oh, like that." Yeah, he said yeah. some really weird line that the must have sounded cool flattest. in his head and yeah. <laughs> just like I mean, cricket crickets I... after he said it. Again, I'm a big fan of Hawkeye. Like, even before like, the whole BMF thing, like, I was at the Till fight, heartbroken, but you can't take away from the fact that he's a good fighter. It's no, you just... have to love his attitude towards fighting because he's one of the few that actually goes in there, I'm going to knock your head off and, and leaves unless it all you knock mine yeah. off. Yeah, which is, like like we say, that's what you want from a fighter. But it's um, been this Jake Paul stuff, mate. It, it's killing your vibe. Yeah, it's it's complete opposite of the whole vibe that everyone loved about him when he first kind of shot to superstardom. So um, yeah, that's that's all we'll say about that. Um, kind of kind of getting slowly more excited for that two sixty one card. Not gonna lie, when it was first announced, I know we were both a bit like, eh, is that it? Like, because everyone's going, oh, three title fights, but one of them's Shevchenko, one of them's completely one sided, and um, 
yeah, so it was just Doug Rose I was looking forward to, really. But um, I'm the, the excitement's starting to build. I'm starting to feel the uh, the the, the anticipation for the crowd being there, especially. Um, I guess we should talk about the disappointment of uh, Till being out next week, obviously. Yeah, when the news broke, actually, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was one of those like those people that pose as Ariel Hawani on Twitter. Yeah, or you know those really crappy heavily quotation marks MMA journalists who claim to be in the know but have no clue yeah I thought I thought it was rubbish and then <laughs> I actually messaged Mike Grundy being like well is it true he was like yeah bro I was like you're joking I, I, it's just so unfortunate I think this is the whole thing about like this is what I was saying earlier about how I don't think Till's close in any way at all to a title fight he's coming off a loss to Rob who's he going to fight next like if Vittori beats well, Kevin Holland, which let's face it, he probably will. Like, I think he'll pretty much do what Brunson did to Holland, except more violently. Violent, yeah. Claret everywhere because yeah. Vittori is just a, a violent. violent Vittori's just the most. I got to talk about this. Vittori's just the most angry motherfucker on the roster. <laughs> he has to be the angriest man on the roster. Every time he tweets, he's like, his tweets just like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Like he's just so angry all the time. It's brilliant. Not gonna lie. But yeah, and I, but who's gonna who's still gonna fight next? Yeah, I know, it just feels like, like every time Costa. every time he gets a little bit of momentum, it then stops. Like he was he was just on the verge of superstardom before the um before the little couple losses, and then he got back on with a win, and then the loss, and now this like I uh, just and again, and again, like say, who, every time he gets going, his momentum gets halted. Who are they going to match him up with next? As I say, Cannonier or Costa? Like realistically, I think it has to be Cannonier to be honest. He's, gonna be out, he's, he's the gonna, only one without a fight. How long do they say he's going to be out for? Fourteen weeks. I think it's a collarbone, isn't it? So that's, that's like 14 week recovery. Yeah, something like that. So I can't do the maths. But well, I mean, Cannonier is injured at the moment as well. So maybe their timelines could line up in a few months. Who knows? But that's like three months, four months, right? So that's towards the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and that well, probably means only one fight this year, Max. Yeah. And let's be honest Cannonier is a tough fight. Costa is a tough fight. Fighting Hermanson, yeah, he's. Obviously, there's advantage in terms of the striking, but Hamanta's ground game is ridiculous. Like yeah, he's sneaky good on the ground. Like I feel like it's kind of underappreciated how good Hamanson is on the ground. He's in, it tills in a tricky place. And again, I'm a massive till. I'm a massive Darren fan. I've been fortunate to to go to many of his fights. Um, been following him for years. Obviously, UK. You know how I am biased towards the British, but. It's just weird to like break your collarbone a week before your fight. Like, yeah, I mean, what what the fuck was he doing to do that? Yeah, um, but I don't know. I don't want to judge too much because I like Till too much to sit here and shit on him. But um, yeah, it is. Like oh yeah, said, no, no, it is no, just not, so disappointing. I'm um, not criticizing. It. I'm just gutted for him. Like, yeah, he was so close to the title fight with Izzy, which let's be honest, stylistically is just a match made in heaven. But I feel like we're no close to it, and it. I, I don't want to curse it or jinx it, but to me, it feels like the Habib Tony fight. It feels like the one that just won't happen for whatever reason. I think, like, if Izzy goes on another round and dominates the middleweight division, he'll probably have another pop. Maybe Izzy will beat everyone else so badly that no matter where Till's at in his career, it'll have to be Till. Um, <laughs> in terms well, yeah. of Vittori, I, I, we talked about Kevin Holland, obviously, that broke on Twitter straight away that Holland had called up and said, I'll take it, um, which no matter how much we shit on him for his performance against Brunson, like that's fair play like stepping in on a you know a week after or two weeks after you've just had a fight and lost is um is incredible but um we were looking at um muradov as more of a potential fun matchup coming off that impressive win against sanchez and um just an insanely good striker don't know if he'd have the takedown defense to to make it that competitive with vittori because i've not seen enough of muradov's um takedown defense in his you know time in the ufc but I just think that would be so fun. If if they stood up, that would be so fun. Style, yeah, again, a match made in the Styles make fights, right? They both mm-hmm. bring the heat. Murdoff is some of the best striking in the UFC. Like trains with Yuri. He's got like legit yeah. power as well. Well, we saw that, didn't we? Against, against yeah. Andrew Sanchez. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I, I bizarrely I don't think Vittori would take that risk because no, is ranked just, so I think Murdoff's not even ranked. He's like 20th-ish. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's true. We're dreaming here. We're uh, going off, off the track a bit, but um, it, that would be such a good fight. Like, may, maybe we can get that down the line if Muradov gets one more win. Yeah, definitely. 
Oh, I guess now we have to talk about Bellator, don't we? Uh, well, we, we're running out of time, so <laughs> so we'll briefly touch on a couple of the main the main fights. Um, obviously, the main event is uh, Patricio Pitbull and, um, and Sanchez with a rematch from um, a couple of years ago. And I mean, that fight was pretty close. That's I don't watch a lot of Bellator, but that's one of the ones I did watch. Uh, that fight was pretty close. And I was looking at Sanchez's record today. Um, he's never been finished. So anyone thinking Pitbull's just going to come in here and walk through this is uh, has got another thing coming. Yeah, I agree. Sanchez has a remarkable chin, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if he has enough offensively to trouble Pitbull. Like, yeah, it was a close fight, but we've seen Pitbull develop so much into a well-rounded fighter that I just think, I mean, to be honest, I just think Pitbull's got there's levels to this game, and I think Pitbull's got too much mm-hmm. champ for a reason. I think Sanchez's I'm- path to victory is probably winning three, four, and five. Yeah, yeah, later in the gas, yeah, later mm-hmm. gas tank and everything like that. Yeah, I agree. I just think it's, I, I just think it's, a, it's made for AJ McKee to. I, I feel like Pitbull versus AJ McKee is one of the biggest fights in MMA because if AJ McKee wins that, propels himself onto the world stage, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I, I feel like it's pretty much a given. But having said that, if Sanchez does bring a surprise, it, it's a massive scalp. Pitbull's been talking so much smack about. Beating Michael Chandler, um, which I'm sure we'll be talking about previewing two six one and whatever uh, two six two. Sorry, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I, I, my, my biggest gripe is that this is going to be on iPlayer, and you just know it's going to be a world feed. It's just going to be like drip fed into you, and it's not. There's no like unlike BT Sport, who I feel do a really good job of like UK coverage. You just know yeah. that BBC aren't going to throw any money at it. It's just going to be another world feed. Oh no, they'll just they'll just throw it on there. Yeah. Um, which is a bit of shit. Um, Usman Nurmagomedov is the co-main against Mike Making Hamill. His debut, isn't um, he? Yeah, I mean, if ever there was a name that you have a lot to live up to, <laughs> this guy, like he's undefeated, he's eleven and zero. But you better fucking be undefeated. You called Usman Nurmagomedov. <laughs> like, damn, this guy's a lot of pressure just from that name. But he's very, very good. I don't yeah, seen any of his tape, but I'm like the regional. Side I watched here. a little bit from his last couple of fights. Yeah, just just to catch myself up on him because I didn't know anything about him other than <laughs> what a great name. Great grappling, great striking. I, I kind of feel like, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but if he goes on a bit of a run in Bellator, it, it won't be too long before we see him in the UFC, let's be honest. Right. The one thing I did think about this fight though is I looked at the odds and they're massively in his favour and um, you know I like a little underdog <laughs> dabble. Um, I, I also looked at a bit of tape on on Hamill, and he's a tough motherfucker, and he's not he's not just gonna you know yeah, you giving. know feed himself to the undefeated guy. This isn't you know just um, record padding here for Nurmagomedov. So um, I think the odds are favoured to him for an obvious reason that he's an excellent undefeated prospect. But I also think there there's a little bit of name tax there on those odds and if, if anyone listening does does want a cheeky um underdog bet for the weekend then uh mike hamill might be the one yeah go for it i these words or these views do not reflect my own but um go for it. <laughs> well like i said it's an underdog and it's a big underdog so um i wouldn't advise put your life savings maybe, maybe i'll eat it or maybe think... i'll be eating my crow uh come next week who knows what what i would say is if, from what i've seen of of um of mike he's definitely a live dog i'll say that um and then the other the other fight that i think that we're talking about is gracie against jason jackson um everyone always wants to see gracie's fight don't we oh yeah they're like the i don't know what's the football equivalent of the gracies i was about to say the nevilles definitely not um <laughs> the nevilles that's the worst comparison i've ever heard i'm trying to think what's like a famous footballing family I don't know if there are that many. There's certainly none that have had like multiple generations like um like the Gracies. <laughs> yeah, the least said about Pele's son, the better. Um yeah, I can't think of one. There's definitely like dynasties. D- Dean those, and but... Josh Windass. <laughs> <laughs> this is going off the rails fast. Yeah, for the, for those of you who don't know, just Google their names and have a look. Um yeah. Gracie's are the founding fathers of MMA, let's be honest. Like yeah. Royce Gracie, you name it. And Nyman is a fantastic fighter. To be honest, I just want to see him fight MVP. That's like the only fight that I'm interested in. Like, you think today. MVP is going to have a hard fight? <laughs> That's yeah. never going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. I just, stylistically as well, we've never seen MVP really out tested on the ground. Um, I mean, we all know what Nyman's going to do. He's going to take it to the ground and push for his submission. And I really want to see Gracie versus 
um, Douglas Lima. Like, I think, I mean, ridiculous. he's probably not far off that with an impressive win here. He's, um, I think, 10 and 1, and his one loss is two. I think, he's ranked, I think he's ranked number three anyway. Bizarrely, MVP second. Did you see the Bellator rankings? Just... I did. I had a quick look, but I, I tried to, uh, to not give too much credence to anything Bellator do or say. So. Honestly, I'm, maybe I'm just biased because I'm wearing a PFL shirt and a PFL hat, but PFL for me are already climbing the ranks. I, I can't wait. Brennan Lockland makes his debut next month. I'm just, I'm so excited. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Brendan Lockland was um, talking about Paddy um, yeah. on, oh, on Fight Disciples this week, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, Fight Disciples, yeah. Yeah, he gave him some props and said, like, congrats, but they need to fight. <laughs> they yeah. need to fight. Like, that fight needs to happen. Um, and well, maybe, so, maybe if he wins the tournament and then gets a UFC contract, who knows? Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm praying for. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot to talk about, um, just before we wrap up, a little uh, welterweight sort of plan that I had for how the welterweight division could play out after Masvidal takes after Masvidal takes the the L to Usman Luke against Masvidal I don't think Masvidal would take that fight for for the legit BMF title can I just say that is like potential to be fight of the decade like those guys would just throw bombs at each other at insane pace and in this insane volume for 15 minutes or 25 minutes however long it would be so a little you know as much as I, like I said, I like an upset, I'm really hoping Masvidal loses just so I can push that fight every week when we come on this pod. <laughs> I talk about if they made Luke versus Masvidal yet. Um, I don't, like I said, don't think it would ever, ever cross Masvidal's uh, mind to take that fight because it's extremely dangerous for a small name by his standards. But fuck me. I just couldn't let this pod end without mentioning that because I wrote it on the notes and I forgot to mention it earlier. That has Claret written all over it. Yep, I'm up for that. That's good. Yep, I agree. So we'll book that in for um for after Usman beats up Masvidal for 25 minutes or less if he finishes him. Yeah, that's one to make. Right, we're uh, we're out of things to talk about. Thank you, Bellator, for being too shit for us to talk about the whole card. Um, so we, how do, uh, how do you, we'll oh, it's on it's on iPlayer, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, I think so. So I just, um, I just know it's gonna be some well feed, and it's gonna like it's not gonna be like just put Gareth A. Davies on it. You've got these presenters, just use them. Oh, yeah, that's not going to happen. You're getting your hopes up, mate. Uh-huh. You know I'm going to be messaging you, messaging you just moaning. <laughs> <laughs> I already know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Um, but hey, next week we'll be back with proper fights. As as uh, uh, as me, the casual, will say, UFC is the only proper fights. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll look forward to that and hope there is a proper main event by the time we are speaking about it next week. Fingers crossed. All right. Cheers. Peace. Oh, I went to end the meeting instead of stopping recording. (laughs) Now peace.